On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we kick off our off-season coverage with an interview with Brad Kelly. We talk about wide receivers, we talk about quarterbacks, we talk about the draft, uh, we talk about free agents, and where the Patriots are headed next season. It's a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's We are extremely pleased to bring back onto the show Brad Kelly. He is an offensive coordinator. He is an NFL analyst. He is P. Diddy's, or Diddy. I don't know what his name is now, but he is Diddy's favorite wide receiver scout. That's a heck of a story, I'm sure. We're going to have to hear that from Brad. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, let's get uh, let's get right into it here because uh, we got to start with the wide receiver. Obviously, a huge need for the Patriots, really, for the last, I don't know, three to four years. We kind of saw this coming this year. Got really nothing out of the position. Um, obviously, a guy that catches my eye, and I think a lot of Patriots fans, is obviously Jalen Waddle, right? I mean, he should he should be there at 15. Obviously, um, I think he probably would have went a little higher if, if he didn't get hurt, right? I think Devontae Smith, breakout year, helped him going down helped his – you know, get him a lot of targets and have the monster year that he had. Is that a possibility, right? I mean, like, they've whiffed on a couple. Obviously, Harry's the first wide receiver they took in the first round under Belichick. Do you think it's a possibility there at 15, Jalen Waddle, and what can he kind of bring to the table for the Patriots? So I think the Patriots and the teams in the middle of the first round lucked out with Jalen Waddle getting injured uh, because through four games, he had outproduced Devontae Smith. It was trending like he was going to lead the team in receptions, yards, touchdowns. And then in the national championship game, when he's able to come back and play, he, it looks like he re-injured his ankle, probably should not have played. So that's going to hurt his draft stock. And like you kind of alluded to, he was a likely top 10 pick uh, without that injury, which means if he falls to 15 and he's there, or even the team's drafting just after the Patriots, they're probably getting a top 10 player based on his ability, but you know, with the, the caveat that he's, that he has an injury, but from the Patriots perspective, I think he's a perfect fit. I think on tape, he's the best wide receiver in the draft class. Um, he has dynamic speed, acceleration. There's the vertical presence, but he also runs maybe the best dig route I've ever seen out of a prospect where, you, you know, you fake a post, you break that off, go across the field. So it's not just a, a straight line speed type of player. He's also kind of a refined in-breaking route runner as well. You have the yak ability. Uh, but what really impresses me is throughout the first four games of the season, he was getting double teamed a lot. Uh, he was actually drawing more coverage than Devontae Smith was, and he was still beating the double teams. And I think that is kind of the mark of a true, you know, number one target for an NFL team. Can you can you draw the doubles, but can you also beat it? And he was very well. And I think his game against Missouri was the best example of that. If you go back and watch, 
And for the from the Patriots' perspective, he would be a high end, high upside uh, player. And I think within within two years, he's your number one target. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I I just don't know. I honestly, I don't know how much Belichick values the position. I mean, obviously, he spent a first round draft pick on it, but it just seems like, you know, he's not willing to spend, you know, the draft capital to go up and get a guy like that now. On the flip side of it, he's drafted, you know, a few times now early in the draft as drafted offensive linemen. And so the, obviously there are a bunch of guys out there, you know, that maybe one of them will fall, maybe one of them won't. But, you know, it, I don't know. I look at it and the game has changed, right? I feel like the game has changed and I feel like Belichick addressed that last year when he drafted guys like Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche. Duggar is a guy that he typically wouldn't draft. And I think Uche is a guy he typically wouldn't draft either because he's a little bit more of a tweener certainly not in the second round. And so I think that he's he's realizing that and changing the way that he approaches bringing prospects in. But, I mean, I would love Jalen Waddle at 15. I'd love it. I just don't know how realistic it is just based on Belichick's draft history, you know? The way that I've been thinking about it is the Patri- they could draft an offensive lineman, but I think going into next year, you're probably somewhat – content with your offensive line whereas Jalen Waddle the upgrade that he would bring over the player that he would be in for which could be 35 year old Julian Edelman it could be Demir Bird if they bring him back is just so much bigger than what they could get for an offensive lineman I think the only other position that you really have an argument for that could kind of match the the upgrade would be linebacker and I'm not sure if there's a linebacker prospect worth it there which like you said there has to be a philosophy shift for Bill Belichick, there has to be one post Tom Brady, to be real, to be honest. And I, like you said, I think he's kind of trending in the direction where he's starting to to break the mold of what he was for 20 years because the game has changed and his quarterback situation has changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Michelle, too, right? Like a few years ago, skill position guy early on first round. Uh, but it, it's interesting, too. Like there, it was so it was such a head scratcher last year. I mean, the deepest wide receiver class probably ever, at least in the last 10 to 15 years, they don't take a guy. I mean, like, I, I think there's a stat out there. Jeez, uh, it was like after the Justin Rohrwasser pick, there was nine wide receivers drafted and like six of them went on to make their 53-man roster. I, I'm, you know, paraphrasing here. The numbers could be off, but some like Darnell Mooney, like that's another guy, KJ yep. Hill. Those guys are an immediate upgrade from what you had. And I mean, obviously, maybe they were a little. They expected Muhammad Sanu to come back and and be an impact player off the injury. Nikhil Harry making that year two jump, and they just missed all over the board. So now it's a question like, can you trust them to take the right guy? I mean, I think there's some interesting prospects there that they can kind of get in that third round. I'm so mad Chris Olave is going back. I mean, we can get into him a little bit later. He can probably be the the wide receiver one next year. I was big on Justin Ross. Obviously, missed this year with the. With the neck injury, I thought that would have been a great, you know, kind of late day two pick, maybe reach a little bit for him. Uh, but there's certainly some guys on on day two, day three that will be interesting prospects that can come in and, and definitely help your room and, and bring some youth to it. Are there any guys that kind of stick out to you that um, can certainly help, you know, like I said, improve the position, but maybe not necessarily in the first round? Definitely. Uh, my favorite would be Kadarius Tony from Florida. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Love him. Love him, man. He is electric. Uh, I'd say that he moves like Tavon Austin, but he runs like Debo Samuel because he wants to run through tackles. And he's so balanced and so elusive. It's almost incredible. There's almost never really been a player quite like him where he could hit and bounce off the hit and 
keep his balance in like the most ridiculous like body positions I've ever seen. And he's he's developed as a route runner. This was his first year where he really produced, but there's always been that ability with the ball because he's always been a returner. They used him in the Wildcat uh, slot receiver, but he's starting to develop, I think, as a route runner. And as far as the ability that he would bring to the Patriots, I mean, no one on the team can even do close to what he does with the ball in his hands. And with the receiver room, you assume being kind of led by Jacoby Myers, who's more of a possession guy, he would bring in another dynamic to the room. Another guy too, Amon St. Brown, right? Like guys like that. Um, you know, Elijah Moore, obviously smaller guy, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall. Like those are guys, right? Like second, third round that, I mean, obviously they don't have a, their own third, but they'll get some comp picks in there off topic, but they're getting a third probably for Brady. And what's that? A f- yep. Probably two fours for Collins and Van Noy. I assume. Yeah, you would think. So, I mean, there's definitely some meat in there. I mean, and two, like, We've seen wide receivers come into the league and produce faster than than you know maybe in years past. I, I, I it, they need to address it this year. Obviously, through free agency, there's obviously some some you know sexy names out there from Corey Davis and and Allen Robinson and you know Juju Smith Schuster, all these guys, right? That they can you know upgrade the position and get a veteran in there that's a proven you know NFL talent and also get some youth into it. I, I hope. I mean, like they can't look at this room from, from this past year and go like, yeah, we're, we're, we're all set here. We're, we're going to sign like a Demir bird and no offense to him. I think he was pretty good given, given the circumstances, but I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I like, there's so many different ways they can go. Obviously they have the cap space this year to kind of do what they want, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's so interesting. I would agree uh, with the fact that they definitely need to address it. And like you said, if, it's, it seems like it, it, it might be a one and one like you, you take you assign one free agent and you draft one wide receiver. I think that's where the upgrades need to happen because you need kind of that number one overall presence if they're able to pay for an Allen Robinson or a Will Fuller or a Corey Davis. And then also you need I think they need a t- some talent, talented youth, because the way Nikhil Harry is trending, you know, know how much you're getting from that. You like Jacoby Myers in a complimentary role, but adding another draft pick, if you're able to add a draft pick and sign a player, pair them with Myers, Harry, and possibly Julian Edelman on, on a comeback, there's your top five, and you probably feel pretty good about it. I yeah. mean, too, like for as bad as they've been, not to cut you off, Pat, like they're probably two two moves away from being substantially better than they were. Like you said, a one and one a veteran guy who can, like I said, get a, get a veteran here that can even be like a brand a little bit of an upgrade over what like Brandon LaFell was, right? Like 45 to 50 catches chain mover and then get some youth in there. Like they're not as far away as they think they just need to invest in it and make the right decisions. Well, they need a quarterback too. I mean that, that yeah, we'll get into that, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Mike, I'm curious about your thoughts on Rondell Moore because Moore is a guy who obviously, you know, very hyped up before the season this year, ops out of the season at, at Purdue doesn't play. Small guy, you know, everyone talks about Devontae Smith, 6'1", you know, 175, more is what, 5'9", 180? Like, he's not much bigger. So, like, you know, you're looking at a small guy, probably going to be playing inside, uh, obviously fast and great athleticism, but also didn't play this year. So, you know, what's your what's your take on, on Moore? Um, and, you know, just curious about that. He came in as a freshman and tore it up. He was one of the best wide receivers in the country. The biggest game that he had was against Ohio State and produced upset win over Ohio State. And he looked like he belonged in the NFL almost right away. A player who, despite being undersized, is a weight room warrior at Purdue. Over 400 pounds on on benches and squats. And I think he could clean. 
over th- like 350 pounds. So he's a strong guy for his size. He's able to run through contact very well while also having speed and being elusive. Came in as a sophomore and his his sophomore season, he got hurt early on, but there was still kind of that that those flashes of what we saw of him as a freshman. And he did come back and play, I think maybe one or two games this year. Um, uh, he like initially opted out. I think he came back and played one or two games, but it was basically just running him on jet sweeps. And they really didn't get him involved as a wide receiver. So his projection, I think, it's going to take some time for him because he's coming back from injury. He doesn't have much experience only having uh, you know a handful of games played over the last two seasons. I think that he is a, a project, but one that could be a huge return. There are some some Percy Harvin type flashes that you see on his film, especially if you go back and look at his freshman season. And you mentioned Harry too, and I, like we've said too, like the target share hasn't been there, right? But and you can say what you want, maybe hasn't been utilized to the best of his ability and to his strengths. Year two now, I mean, it doesn't look good. What what do you think he projects as? Like a, a solid you know, a, a stretch two, maybe like a, a realistically a wide receiver three. Like what is, what do you think their plan is now with him going into year three, an important year for him? I'm not sure what the plan is going to be, but as far as his yeah. project, his projection goes, I don't see it much with him. Um, part of it late in the season, you know, I don't think he can do a lot. What is necessary for specific wide receivers when he's given a free release, he doesn't have the speed to, to threaten vertically. And that, Kind of, you, you saw it on his college film that he was able to do that in the Pac-12. He gets the NFL, and the difference between 4-4 and 4-5 in the NFL is significant. And his ability to run in a straight line just really isn't there to threaten any NFL caliber corners. So there has to be some in-breaking routes, some curl routes, and then the the jump balls and the fades and stuff. Where against the Rams, you kind of saw the ability to do that and to mix in a, a stutter and go and, and get vertical, but. That's the only really way that he's able to get down the field is when you add in extra moves. And in order to do that, you also need a quarterback who's going to hang in the pocket, go through multiple reads. You need offensive line who can block. So his role was very specific. I think that he could still be utilized with his size, with his blocking, um, and and maybe in the red in the uh, red zone, the low red zone, like we saw the touchdown against the Chiefs. But other than that, I think realistically, his every down presence isn't going to be a consistent a con- consistent you can't rely on it consistently. So I think right. he's really a, a number three to number four type of receiver. I mean, I agree with you. And I, I think too, like, and, you know, you kind of mentioned it about the one and one type type thing. I think that they're pretty close as far as the skill they have at, at wide receiver, I think isn't that terrible, but everyone slotted a spot or two above where they should be. Right. If Jacoby is your, is your two slash three wide receiver, you're happy with that. If yeah. Jameer Bird is your three slash four, you're really happy with that. You know what I mean? And then if you can mix Edelman in, in the slot, who knows if he comes back next year or not. But like, you know, if you can, you talking about those three guys, they can be really useful for you, assuming you have one guy, maybe two guys ahead of them. So they have talent there. It's just that they don't have that elite level talent to, you know, to to kind of go above that. And and that's really the issue I, I see at least on at the wide receiver spot. And the other thing for me with Harry, the interesting thing for me, and you said it perfectly, like they just didn't use him. Like they didn't, like he's not a speed guy. He's not, we know that. So just throw it up there and see what happens. And I think, you know, from, from a Patriots perspective this year, you just looked at it and said the offensive, the, the passing game was so bad 
that you just you couldn't waste. Not that Don't waste say that throws to Brian, like that. Pat. Don't say I know, to Brian. But it, not not that you couldn't waste throws like that, but like it was almost like we're doing everything we can not to turn the ball over. And so like to throw to throw in those jump balls, those like 50-50 balls makes it difficult, you know, when you're when you're just trying to like not turn it over and drive down the field. Uh and, and you know, and you can't. And so that's like even the Rams catch was what third and 20. And they're like, ah, screw it. Just throw it up and see what happens. And he goes up and makes a play. And it's like, that's what he should be doing. Like, but he's very limited to that, which is on, which is unfortunate. And I, it makes me wonder, like, I'd love to pick the brain of someone in the organization to be like, who had this guy. And I know he was, a he was, I mean, we did a, we did a March after before with Mark and he, we had him as a Mark picked him in the first round for, you know, for somebody. So it's not like, it's not like everyone said this guy sucked, but like for people that had him significantly higher than AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. And you're like, what, what could you have seen from him? That was better than what they, because it's like, okay, you want to say Hollywood Brown, fine. He's small, whatever this and that. But it's like, those guys are both big, just like he is. And they're fast. So like, I don't, you know what I mean? So the, that was some of the stuff for me where it was like, kind of like, how did you do that? You know? I think there's a few things uh, that you made good points on that I would like to to kind of expand on. The first one being uh, everyone on the receiver depth chart sodded one, you know one slot too high, and I agree. And if they bring in a, a, a top guy, that would solve that issue. But you're all I think we're also looking at the wide receiver depth chart, the typical one when you also get something from your tight ends. And right. they get absolutely nothing from their tight ends. Yeah. So you also need to need to do something at that position as well. And that will obviously help every receiver. You know, if you get a little bit from your tight end, it's going to help every right. wide out as well. The other one being when it comes to Nikhil Harry and his development, I also think they haven't handled the position well in general organizationally. Uh, they had Joe Judge balancing the special teams coordinator with as a first year wide receivers coach, never having worked with the position before. And he's also doing so much for the special teams. And then this year, Mick Lombardi, also a first year wide receivers coach, is handling the room. First year position coach, never had worked with the position before. And I think that you you changing the the uh, coach doesn't help a, a year one to year two receiver, but also changing it both years being inexperienced guys. And then even you move Troy Brown from assistant wide receivers coach to assistant running backs coach. So there's no continuity with the assistant position coach either. You're not handling the position well, in my opinion, in the organization. And that's why you see Nikhil Harry's growth a little bit stunted. Jacoby Myers really isn't doing much else other than like getting more comfortable in the NFL game. He's playing the same exact way he did when he at NC State. It's the same exact thing you saw. You know, horizontal cuts, pick up the first down, get on the ground, you know, let's let's go for first and ten. But he's just kind of more comfortable getting up to speed. There hasn't been much development from him, whereas Harry kind of needed some, and it just hasn't been there. Whether that's on him or the organization, it's kind of tough to tell. Good point. Great point. And I didn't even think of that, too, because Lombardi was the QB coach for the Jets, right, before? Obviously, it's Mike's kid. Was he with the Jets prior? I don't remember who he was with prior, but he never worked with wide receivers before, and he actually didn't even play football when he was in college and gained experience in that route either. And yeah. and too, like his comments before the year, I forgot where I saw it. it was like, like maybe mid April, like right after, right before the draft. 
I, I think he was with the Jets. He was a QB coach or assistant QB coach. He said Jared Siddham's leaps and bounds better than Sam Darnold already. Like after that too, like and then like you said, he first year positional coach, and, and I didn't even think of that. I mean, especially too, you f- factor in no off season, no mini camp. Like that's so important for the year one guys, but I think the year two guys too, right? Like you're coming in, it's your second year as a pro. You're kind of the leader of that room, and they didn't have that this year. So I, don't, I obviously don't want to make excuses for it, but I think. This Patriots team, a lot of the younger guys, especially Harry and, and you know the guys you mentioned, they could have benefited from something like that. Uh, but kind of shifting our focus because somebody's going to get these guys the ball, whoever they pick, whoever they draft. What's your dream scenario quarterback? I'm, I'm super interested. Side Dak Prescott, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, me too. Trade for nice. Deshaun, right? Yeah, trade for Deshaun Watson, that'd be nice too. Um a realistic one, I, I suppose, is is signing a veteran, um, a veteran free agent quarterback that could be Cam Newton. Maybe it's Philip Rivers, uh, someone in that mold, uh, more of a bridge type of quarterback and drafting, drafting one as well. And ideally them sitting maybe for eight games or until the bye week to take over in the long run. At 15, I still think that there's so much value in that in that pick for a position player and by then they're going to be reaching for a quarterback that I would avoid it at 15. And ideally you're either trading back and taking one later or second round, maybe you trade back from there and take one, but I, I would prefer it not be a first round pick and, and a free agent quarterback. And I, I'm interested too, because Mac Jones obviously go in the senior bowl. You'll be there. Yep. No, um, no, for him. no, I mean, no, not no, at 15, but are you, no. are you not even round two, no. round three? no, See, I wouldn't mind it there. Like, no, if, I would love Mac Jones around too. I don't think he's going to be there. That's what I mean because teams like Indy and he's Pittsburgh. He's a quarterback from Alabama. Down. He sucks. I don't care what his tape looks like. He's a quarterback from Alabama. He has two top 10 wide receivers in like his wide receiver core. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> no. Well, well, using that same logic, wouldn't Joe Burrow be undraftable? Because he had two really Let's good see, wide yeah. receivers. Stop. Stop it. Stop using logic, okay? He went to LSU. LSU quarterbacks sometimes are okay. Alabama Zach quarterbacks are always good. Yeah. Look, look at uh, Jamarcus Russell. He was great. Yeah. What is it? so like? Yeah. If, if it's round two, like you're open to that. Not you, Pat. I'm not talking to you. Um, <laughs> oh, the, oh, definitely. For Jones, me I think Kyle like, Trask could be in that range too. Yeah. Uh, at pick, the Jones thing too, like you don't see any tight window throws, right? Like these guys are getting 10, 15 yards of separation, right? So he's an interesting prospect to, to evaluate. Would you like agree with that? Both Jones and Trask are interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't so, know. I mean, like I, I'd hear it. I, I'm all for it. Just not at 15. Like you said, that that's a reach there. Avoid it. There's going to be well, so much value at that pick. At position so you mentioned, you, you mentioned 15 and you mentioned reaching for a quarterback, but let's just, let's just say, let's just play it out, right? And let's say somehow, well, I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say somehow one of the top four guys drops to 15. So whether that be, it's clearly not going to be Lawrence, but whether it's, you know, Wilson, Fields, or Lance, who's the guy, number one, who would be, who's your second guy, I guess, and who's the guy that you'd be like, in a second, would you take any of those guys in a second at 15, or would there be a guy you'd hesitate on, or like, what what are your thoughts there? So when it comes to Fields and Wilson, I'm sprinting to the podium. Uh, to be honest, if Fields or Wilson are there at pick 10, I think you call the Dallas right, Cowboys yeah. and try to trade up and get them. Right. Um, they're that good. I think Justin Fields, I think if he goes number two overall, he's the best pick in the draft because he should be. He is a number one pick every other year other than 
the year Trevor Lawrence comes out. Right. Um, so I think he's going to be a great value if he does go number two. I think Wilson's not far behind. I think you see a lot of uh, Wilson's high points, his high throws, uh, the ability to drive the ball down the field, to throw from the far hash, the quick release, the ability to extend the play, win out of the pocket. He's a very modern type of quarterback. When it comes to Lance, I wouldn't hesitate to take him at 15. I would, but I think you need a plan because that's a guy who has 300 pass attempts at an FCS school and you're not starting him year one. Ideally, you're bringing back Cam or signing Jacoby Brissett or someone like that and and sitting Lance for an entire season. He's a clipboard holder next year. I mean, he's the, the Patrick Mahomes path where he sat for 15 games, got one start, would be the perfect ideal right. scenario for Trey Lance. So I, would, I wouldn't hesitate, but you would need – you would need a, a plan in place. I saw Lance's game log from last year. It literally, it literally looked like, I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, they threw like 15 times like, a game. It looked like Cam Newton's, like literally like, but obviously mix it with like 195 rushing yards on like, you know, 12, 15 attempts. Uh, but I mean, that's a kid who he has 16 starts, hasn't played a game in a year and a half. Um, I haven't seen much on him, but I'd be, I'd be a little skeptical with him. I, Interesting to see if – I think four quarterbacks do go in the top ten, obviously, because there's a lot of teams in there that will need it, teams that will trade in. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, I would love I, – I, you're not a – you're a Fields over Wilson guy? I am, but one, I, think two, Zach Wilson, I think Zach Wilson's very good as well. I just – I think I prefer Justin Fields at number two. I mean, his consistency from down to down, the fact that he just takes care of the football, I think it just can't miss. He reminds me of Cam Newton coming out of Auburn. Mm. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, no, yay or nay? As a bridge. Oh, if oh, if it's affordable, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, that, that my guy. A lot of people are out. Of, yeah, I would. I'd, I'd be his last I mean, it's a guy who come in and run your system efficiently, knows the ways around here. Assuming you get a guy that you think is the future, I think you're fine there for the next. You know, Kyle two Trask at forty six. Yeah, if you, if you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, you you draft Kyle Trask. Well, yeah. so here's the fascinating thing, I think, you know, is that because of the stupid, the non-issue in Cleveland, in Cincinnati, I'm sorry, that cost the Patriots third-round pick, they now have a gap, similar yeah. to last year, where they didn't have a second-round pick. They had a gap from, you know, 23 to, what was it, 87. Like, we got, they got to fill in that gap somehow. Now they got a gap from 46 to, you know, say 99, 100, wherever that wherever that comp that, pick that ends Brady up being. Brady comp pick. The highest I think it can be is 86, and it's, I mean, considering it's 96. 96, okay, yeah. the end of the, right. So it will be 96, I think. I think they're going to give that that pick to the Patriots. So probably. So so even say it's 96, that's 50 picks. And, you know, 50 picks from between 46 and 96, that's a big stretch. And Belichick typically doesn't like to have that big of a stretch. I think my expectation now is that they end up trading back with someone, you know, say at, I think the Colts are 19. They have like 19 and 54. So it's like, you you get night, you, you trade back, uh, you know, four spots, you get 19 and you pick up 54 as well. And then you're drafting someone that's, you know, not as good at 15, obviously, but like, okay, we like these guys. And one of these guys is going to be available at 19. I just think that's inevitable. Like it's coming. It's going to happen. Like they're not going to go 50 picks without making a pick. So with that in mind, you know, I'm interested in, you know, in your thoughts, a guy in the, you know, in that say 46 or 54 at the wide receiver spot, that the Patriots could take, that could be an impact guy, maybe not right away, but could be an impact guy down the road. At wide receiver? Yes. I think one um, is looking into the second round. 
Um, uh, Ryan mentioned a few of the guys, but I think one who's kind of flown under the radar because he's came back for his senior year is Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. A vertical route runner. I said right, not to cut you off. I said right before the show to Pat. That's like my under the radar guy. I love, but he he reminds me a lot. And you could tell me if I'm wrong. I saw like scares me a little bit. Little Harry couldn't separate. Didn't see much press. Do you see that at all? So the the press thing is definitely a concern in the Big Twelve. Yeah. But I went back. I've seen him. Obviously, been paying close attention to him for a while now. Even when he was a sophomore, they Texas tried to press him and it didn't go well. And Texas did it with Chris Boyd and Devontae David who were seniors, but they both got drafted, Boyd's still in the league. So they weren't, they weren't like complete total, you know, typical Big 12 corners, and, and he could just abuse it. And he's a vertical-based uh, route runner. And like you said, he's not a huge separation guy when it comes to the vertical stuff. But I think there's enough uh, – he has enough branches on his route tree that it's not just a straight-line guy. He, he runs a great slug uh, sluggo. He runs a great post route. I think there's enough there when it comes to the route tree that – I think he could be a starting X or Z wide receiver. All right. I like it. I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I, I like him a lot. I think I like Terrace Marshall. Obviously, he he played a few games and opted out, right? He played like three or four mm-hmm. games. Um, it's interesting. Like T. Higgins went, what was it, pick 33? Like there were some good wide receivers there at, at you know, the second round. Even, even at the Duggar pick, like there were some good ones. I don't think it's obviously as deep as it was last year, but there's certainly some value, like you said, that they can find there to improve the position. So you actually mentioned, uh, Pat, where you're looking at teams that potentially trade down from. The team that I think is most likely is actually going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they have picked number 33 and they have picked number 45. And I think they're going to want to have three first-round picks and, and Belichick having the great relationship with Urban Meyer. I think they're going to do – if you remember, I think it was 2012, the Vikings ended up moving around the board and had three first-round picks, and it was like this big deal for them uh, with a new regime that was I think that the Jaguars – draft. What uh, it was, it, Cordero Patterson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, Sharif Bell- Floyd. That's a Belichick trade. That's a Belichick yeah. trade right there. Right. So Bell- if you get thirty-three and forty-five, they're able to get three first-rounders, get that fifth-year option for all three of them, um, and and you would get two second-round picks. I think that would be one, and specifically with Urban Meyer, that's a team that I kind of see them making a deal with in a potential value for, for pick fifteen if that's the route they take. Imagine that, like they get up to fifteen, the highest they've picked since. Was it Mayo, right? It's Mayo, yeah. Yeah, 20, since Mayo, and they just they trade out. I, I mean, it's it's makes sense because they have so many they have so many holes. Like you can look at pick fifteen and pick probably six positions that all right, yeah, that makes sense. Right, unless there's a guy there that you're like, whoa, like oh, whoa, like we have to take that guy. You know, like you said, like See, a quitty pay. Or, who's that? Think they would? You think they would, Brad? They'd take him if he's there, Kyle Pitts. If Kyle Pitts is there and they trade out of it, I'm like, we're gonna burn the stadium down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. He'd be the youngest player in the league too, right? Didn't he, he just turn Yeah, I think he's only 20 and he's he's a freak of nature. And I mentioned the upgrade uh, the upgrade of a position. Like yeah. him being day one a top 10 tight end in the NFL, I'll say it. Day one, the day he walks into the NFL stadium, he's a top 10 tight end in the league compared to Ryan Izzo and, and Devin Asiasi would just be a massive upgrade. Yeah. I still have high hopes for Asiasi, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, you know. Uh, I don't know for sure, but – but uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not Kyle Pitts level. We'll, we'll put it that way. Maybe not <laughs> Kyle Pitts level. But I still have I still have high hopes for him. But uh, but you know, but that's that would be interesting. I hate the idea of trading out of the first round. You know, even if it's for even if it's for thirty three and forty five, I just hate the idea of doing that because I feel like yes, they have a ton of holes, but they also have 
they have a devoid of top end talent, right? They have a lot of skill players. They have a lot of guys that are good, but no, they don't, they don't have, they're lacking some of that elite level player right now. And it's like, yeah, Damian Harris is good. Sony Michelle is good. Like, Guy, like guys are good, but they're not like there's no one that you're like, whoa, that guy is like unbelievable, you know. And that, and that's, I feel like that's the type of player you can get at 15, you know, especially with, especially if there are four quarterbacks going in the top 10, there are other guys that are skill position players that are going to drop to you that you're going to have, you know, that, that is going to be like a ridiculous talent that you're getting at 15. And I feel like they're missing that right now. I think you're mentioning the, the offensive skill positions. It's the top three wide receivers and Kyle Pitts. Any of those four would be the dream scenario. So the other two being Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase with Jalen Waddle. Any of those four, I think, is a dream scenario to upgrade your offense. Instantly, you have a, a day one playmaker. I think beyond Pitts, you know, I think the number two thing I made is maybe Pat Fryer, maybe from Penn State. The number four wide receiver for me would be Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, maybe Kadarius Toney. I think there is a gap there. And I think right. if those four are gone by 15, then the, the optics of moving down, I think, improve. Right. It makes sense. That definitely makes sense, you know. So we'll see. 100 days. 100 days. That's what Field Yates said. 100 days. Oh, wow. Really? Yep. So I'm so mad there's no combine. I was like, the one year is going. And it was <laughs> out of the senior bowl. And I was like, uh, I couldn't obviously take time for work for both. And. They canceled the combine. It's going to be like a regional thing, and I don't know how they're going to do it, but yeah, it sucks. Everyone's running 4-2 this year. What'd you say? Everyone's running 4-2 this year. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's on Zoom. No one can tell. That's great. Um, It'll be interesting because that's a Patriots, like, um, that's the weekend. Obviously, everyone gets a bunch of information, but I feel like that's where the Patriots are separate themselves from the rest of the league because a lot of the times the league, I think, values the combine more than the Patriots do when it comes to Bill Belichick. I think he's more of an interview uh, guy, you know, just watch the game tape. Dante Scarnecchia puts off- offensive linemen through his, like, magic, black magic, like, drills and tells you which one to draft. And But with the combine being a little bit less – uh, you know, meaningful maybe for the other teams, does that mean that they kind of take the Patriots route? And right. how does that affect their board? You know, so I think no, could, that could be an interesting caveat. It's definitely a good point. You know, I, I still remember uh, I heard the Brandon Spikes, I guess, had an interview at the Combine. It was like they they were talking to him. And he, I guess I, I forget the I forget the exact story, but they asked him something about something about like his uh, individual accomplishments. And he's like, man. Nobody cares about the damn individual accomplishments. The only goddamn thing that matters is one of these. <laughs> the ring, it was just like, and it was like, well, that's a Patriots guy right there. So I drafted him in the second round, you know, like, yeah, and, and he ran, I think, like a four nine, and they yeah. still took him. In the second right, round. right. You know, they don't care. They're like, hey, he's a thumper, and and we love his attitude. And so, you know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he's fine, you know. Uh, it's off topic, but D, I, I was listening to, I'll go back and listen sometimes to part of my take in bed uh, on YouTube and they had DK Metcalf on and he talked about the combine story and like one, one of their scouts was really pushing for them to draft him. Didn't know where, but they, they wanted him. The, the whole organization necessarily wasn't sold. And he's like, when you walk in the door, take your shirt off. He's like, I'm not taking my shirt off. He's like, no, nah. he's like, he's like, dude, do it. That was like, Seattle. Wasn't it Seattle? It. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Like do it. And so he, he walks in the door. 
takes his shirt off and then Pete Carroll immediately takes his off. And then they were like, all right, yeah, we, we got this guy. This is our guy now. So they got him the third, obviously. <laughs> Lucky them, but I wish he did yeah. that in New England. I don't know, no kidding. Oh. Right. And it, right. That's right. so funny too, because I pulled up Harry and Metcalf's um, you know, combine pro days. Like they they tested pretty similar. Obviously, Metcalf blew away that I think what he run, like a four three, yep. four three three. Yeah. Harry was a four five four or whatever when you look at everything else, like they tested pretty similar, like they were obviously kind of looking for that mold of a receiver and they just took the wrong guy. Like yeah. it, it, it's obvious like that. And I, obviously Metcalf brings a lot more to the table, but when you look at that, it's, it seems like they were looking for that type of player and they just picked the wrong guy. It's interesting too, because I was told by someone in the Cleveland Browns organization that the Patriots called them when they were picking at pick 32 it, attempting to trade down. So I don't know if they were even sold on Nikhil Harry or DK Metcalf. And I, I posted that when it happened, the, the night of the draft of the first round. Oh. Um, so I don't know if they were even completely like, obviously you, you want to get value for every pick. You know what I mean? If they could have blown them, you know, they could have got a, a huge deal from the Browns. You trade out no matter what. And maybe Nikhil Harry's there later, or maybe DK Metcalf is there later. You know what I mean? So it's kind of right. one of those things where if they're looking for that motor receiver, they were like, we like Harry here, but Metcalf's going to fall because of his neck injury. Maybe we could get him if we trade out. Yeah. Nah, it's just said, Screw it. Just take a wide receiver like this. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Tom's got one year left. Let's make him happy. This is the wrong guy. Crazy. Crazy how things happen. I mean, and again, I've talked about it before, but like when they miss at wide receiver, they miss <laughs> at wide receiver. I mean, you talk about, you talk about, you know, Chad Jackson, they trade up with Green Bay to draft Austin Chad Jackson. Allen. And Chad Jackson and the the pick that they traded to Green Bay, Green Bay takes Greg Jennings. Then they take friggin' Dobson over Keenan Allen, and then they take Met. Uh, they take you know DK over Metcalf and AJ Brown. And you're like, man, when you miss, dude, you miss. <laughs> I hate the shoulda, I hate the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. But like, obviously, where they're drafted, you're looking yeah. at that. Like, you're looking. Yeah, to that's what happens there, right? And that yeah, it falls into that lap, right? That's what happens, you know. It also hurts that Debo Samuel uh, went four picks later, yep. wanted to be a Patriot, and A.J. Brown grew up a Patriots <laughs> fan, and yep. it was just, like, desperate for them to draft him. And they're both studs. That, the A.J. Right Brown away. one hurts because watching him watch the AFC Championship game, flipping out when the Patriots won, going to the Super Bowl, and, like, then if he had been oh, – it would have been such a story. But anyways, that's – you know, that's uh, – we're just rehashing old, old wounds here. It's the way it goes, you know, but uh, – I'm looking forward to draft night where we can sit and wait and then pick 15 comes and they trade out and we got to wait a whole nother goddamn 24 hours. On the draft again. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I can go grab my DK Metcalf Jersey for the video. If you want me to hold that up for the rest of the, uh, the rest yeah. of the interview. I think you got good. all of them, right? Who do you have? Rugs? Rugs, Metcalf and Dante Pettis, my guy. Oh, Dante I mean, Pettis. And he was, he was, he could have been claimed this year, right? Or they, did they, Oh, the Giants! Oh, they the Patriots put a claim in put for claim him. In. The Giants had the had yeah, the good. one spot. Yeah, that's got a, a nice touchdown pass for the Giants too. Yes, he did. He's gonna so. he's gonna play for them next year. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. the Diddy story. Just so you guys know. Yes, the Diddy story. That. That's yeah. the elaborate yeah. on that. Yes, let's do it. It was like early, early Twitter, like maybe 2011, um, something like that. He he was. Um, getting close to maybe 200,000 or 400,000 or 500,000 followers. Now he has, you know, like 8 million. I don't even know the number. Right. Yeah. Something fool. And he was like, he said like, Oh, I'm going to follow um, 
my 400,000th follower. And I did not know that. I found that out <laughs> after. But I, I followed him and was his 400,000, whatever it was. And he, he was true to it. He followed me back. But the thing is, since then, he has unfollowed hundreds of people. I think maybe even over a thousand people. And for whatever reason, I've continued to make the cut to this day. Still, you should have bought a lottery ticket that day. (laughs) That's insane, especially because you didn't know. I've I've even like said like you know every time I post, I'm thinking if Diddy sees this, is he gonna unfollow me? Like I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) like terrified to lose it. Well, that's dude. So Keegan, our buddy Keegan, is followed by yeah. Ariana Grande, and yeah. so same thing, bro. Uh, Diddy, by the way, is fifteen point six million followers. Yeah. How, many, how many does he follow? He follows one thousand seven hundred fifty nine. That's yeah. insane. That's, that's a insane. Group right there. I think there was at one point he had like twenty five hundred following, and he just cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. But he's He's never gotten to me when he scrolls, I guess. At, at yeah, this point, you mean. have to hope you're muted. You have to hope you're muted. You're just chilling there. I mean, think about it. Listen, ma- listen. he can unfollow you if he wants. Maybe just one retweet. Just a retweet. Just like, hey, right. oh, tweets my boy. You know what I mean? 15 million people. Like, okay, here we go. Fine. Yep, thanks for the retweet, Diddy. <laughs> you yep. can unfollow me now. What a story, dude. That's great. I mean, it's so good because it's just like such a random thing. And you wonder, you like wonder too, if he's like, yes, that dude was my 400,000th follower yeah. and I can't unfollow him because he hit the, I hit that threshold. You know what I mean? I still remember him on the Ellen show talking about Twitter, dude, way back in the day when Twitter started. Yeah. She's like, so when you send out a thing, what is it called? A twit? And he's like, no, it's a tweet. Like, and, and I'm sitting there like, the hell is this guy talking about? You know? <laughs> he, was, he was big into like motivational, like, Every morning was like, wake up, grind, do your thing, make music, like, yeah, yeah. be beautiful. I don't know what it was. It was crazy, like, every morning stuff. And I'm like, I'm getting motivated by this follow. Yeah, there you go, man. Obviously, uh, obviously, hey, you've done what you can. And listen, I mean, we think you're a pretty good follow. So Diddy agrees. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's big into the NFL draft. You know, you never know. <laughs> right, right. I doubt that. You know? <laughs> so, but it's, uh, it's the way it goes, man. So we'll see. But anyways, oh, before we let you leave, we have to. I had to ask about this weekend because obviously, um, you know, this show comes out on Friday. We're recording on Tuesday, but this show comes out on Friday. Mahomes it hasn't been announced yet whether Mahomes is playing. He's playing. He's playing. He's he's one hundred percent playing. Or maybe, or maybe they can do what uh what idiot face uh said and and postpone the Coward, game until, yeah, until he's ready. Yeah. Moron. But um, but either way, let's. So who do you have this weekend? Do you have? Do you think the Bills can hang with the Chiefs? And do you think, do you think that Brady, I mean, Brady can obviously pull it off. I guess the better question is, do you think the Packers can hold off the Bucks? I think the Chiefs are going to win against the Bills. Um, I think the Bills' lack of running game over the last, uh, really, end of the season and in the playoffs yeah, is going to hurt them. get away from it? Like, he, he led the league in play-action attempts, and he didn't, what, what he, they didn't run the ball once in the first quarter? Not to cut you off. Yeah, sorry. they don't hand it to the running backs at all. And I think it's costing them. And I think they're it's getting shielded by the fact that their defense is playing pretty good ball. But they've gotten outgained their last both games at the last two playoff games. And that's not really a recipe to continue winning in the playoffs. You're not gonna win through I don't think you're gonna win three straight playoff games getting outgained in all of them. And I don't think anyone's outgaining the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are more balanced, they're playing good defensively as well. And when it comes to the Bucs, I'm I'm picking Tom Brady. I will die before I pick against that man, especially in the postseason. It's I mean, it's impossible to pick against him. I'm, I would never do it. 
I can't I can't remember like remember the year we lost to Philly. The four quarterbacks remaining were Brady, Foles, Case Keenum, and Blake Bortles. And now you fast forward and you have Rodgers, Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's pretty good. Like the probably the four best quarterbacks in the postseason are playing on championship weekend, which is great. And the the line for the Chiefs opened up at three. And I I remember looking at the Pats line when they played the Eagles. I was like, the Pats are, are getting three. Like this is a lock. Like that seems like a trap line to me. But no, I agree. I, I think the Chiefs um I don't know, can the Bucks defense keep keep pulling it off, right? I mean, they won't I don't know if they have an answer for for Devontae Adams. I mean the best receiver in football in my opinion. Nobody has an answer for Devontae Adams. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that's... Oh, speaking of him too, not before we end, I saw a tweet the other day. Jock Peterson was, they went to the same high school, was the leading pass catcher for their high school. Like had like, so like dumb. 10 more touchdowns, 35 more catches and like 500 more yards than Devontae Adams in high school. And he was just I mean, saying, I'm going to go strike out 250 times a year, hit 40 bombs and collect way more money. I don't blame him, but insane. I did not know that. That's interesting because Devontae Adams got to Fresno State and was a like hundred catch guy right away. So it's yeah. not like he was, you know, it took time. Like he was senior year of high school was obviously really good already. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. Uh, so uh, here's a stat for you. Here's a Kansas City Chiefs stat for you. Okay, and I guess I'll ask it in the form of a question. What do the Jacksonville Jaguars and Kansas City Chiefs have in common? And the answer is they had exactly the same record against the spread this year. The Chiefs were seven and nine against the spread this year. And if when you count the Bills game, when you count the the Browns game, which they obviously didn't cover, they were seven and ten against the spread this year. Which which doesn't mean they're a bad team. It just means that they're not as good as everyone thinks. They're not blowing teams out. They're not destroying teams. Maybe they're getting more points than they probably should. I think Mahomes. You know, when he finally gets activated, that line's going to bump up to six or seven. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bills win this weekend. I really wouldn't. I think the Chiefs defense is uh, is exposable. I think they can beat the the problem. The problem with the Chiefs is that they can score in ten seconds. That's the re, that's the biggest issue with the Chiefs. If you can stop them and slow them down a little bit, you have success. But you have to be able to score to beat them and score in bunches. And the the Bills can do that. I think they can pull it off. Um, and as far as the Brady thing, man, I mean, it's Tom, it's Tom Brady, dude. I mean, it's just so, it's so dumb, dude. He has, listen, he is. So the stats, I mean, it's mind blowing, right? It's mind blowing. But Brady has thirty-two playoff wins. Okay, let's just, just for a second now, the New England Patriots as a franchise have thirty-seven. They have the most in NFL history. If Brady were to win the Super Bowl this year and win the Super Bowl next year, and the Patriots don't make the playoffs. Tom Brady would have the most playoff wins of any franchise ever as a player. He'd have more wins than any other franchise in the history of the NFL. I mean, it's just the numbers are just so stupid where you're just like, come on. I mean, that's just dumb that he can do that. And, you know, it's tough to bet against them. I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick the Packers because I don't want them to win. I want them to win next like year. year though. Year. It looks like their year. Well, listen, if if it's not this year for the Packers, I don't know what the hell is. I mean, yeah. when the hell is it going to happen for Rodgers if it's not going to happen this year? Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't know what else you want. Although, I would love it if the Bills got there and lost to, lost to Brady. Oh, my God, dude. That would be like, 
Oh, that'd be that would be lovely. Wait Twenty years to get him out of the division just to have him crush you in the Super Bowl. No matter what, the quarterback matchups obviously going to be great, like you said, uh, yeah. Ryan. And there's going to be a good storyline because it's going to be like it's uh, Brady versus the Bills, or or Brady Mahomes, or Rogers Mahomes, or or Rogers versus Allen, who can who's like the up and comer as well. Right. What what impresses me about I don't know if it impresses me about Brady or the Patriots, but something that I I've noticed looking back at at Tom's playoff games was. His numbers are actually always great in the divisional round, and his numbers in the conference championship round actually are kind of mortal, to be honest. He, in his career, he has 18 touchdowns and 14 interceptions in, in, in conference championship games. However, they're always he always seems to do just enough to win the football game. Right. I remember the game at home against the Ravens, 2011. He throws a couple picks, but he has a rushing touchdown. The defense makes a big play um, really against the Chargers. Yeah. When Philip Rivers had the torn ACL, he had three interceptions, but the they did just enough to win the game. It's like always that 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 part where it's like no matter how good Rodgers plays, yep. I think Brady plays one percent better, and that just how he's been in the playoffs for so long. And just it it it's a I, like you said, it's, it's Tom Brady. You can't pick him. The only thing for me, and I guess maybe it's a non-issue because Bruce Arians said that he's the coach, um, but is that the coaching there just, I just feel like in big moments, in big games like that, that the coaching matters more than it does in a regular season game. And you don't have the elite level coaching that you used to. And again, it's still Brady and he can still do it and he can still sling it. But like you said, he he kind of relies on the other guys to to help him get to that spot. And if he if those guys don't help him get to that spot, then obviously he can't perform in those moments. And so I think that that that's a concern for me, where I look at it and just say, I think their coaching staff stinks, and I think that's you know that might be the reason they lose. But who knows? So one one aspect I think is going to be interesting is uh, Tom Brady's mind on the field against Mike Pettin as a defensive coordinator of the Packers because that is a mismatch. Who once called him a cheater. Remember that. Yeah, and, and the fact that the Packers personnel defensively is like JV compared to the Bucks weapons. Pretty much right. every defense is, to be honest. But if you take out their D-line and Jair Alexander, including Zadari Smith on the D-line, it's not a lot. It's not much. And right. I think the 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 weapons of, of Brady, on top of the fact that he's you know, going against a defensive coordinator who actually did trip him up one time when the Packers went to Foxborough, but past that, you know, first couple of drives, Brady kind of figured it out. I think that's a huge, huge, huge mismatch. However, you could probably argue the same thing for the Packers on offense with Matt LaFleur and Rodgers and those weapons against Todd Bowles and Carlton Davis at corner as their number one. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, going to be, it's going to be fun. I, I'm looking forward to it no matter what, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting and it's going to be fascinating from a Tampa green Bay perspective because Rogers is most likely going to win MVP and an MVP hasn't won a Super Bowl since 1999 when Kurt Warner did it. And the, the Super Bowl is being played in Tampa Bay and, and a home team has never played a home uh, Super Bowl. So uh, a lot of history, obviously Rodgers would have to win another game in order to, in order to make that history. But either way, a lot of history riding on the line uh, in that game. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's one of the reasons why I'm rooting for Tampa to lose because I just, that's it's such a stupid historical stat, but I feel like fun. Like those things are fun. Like I'm like, I want that to happen. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to root against Rodgers in the Super Bowl unless he's playing the chiefs. Because I want the the NFL MVP to lose the Super Bowl. Because it's like, let's keep that streak going. That'll be fun, you know. Like, are you anti Mahomes right now? Oh, I am anti. I'm not necessarily. I'm not anti Mahomes. Mahomes. I'm anti Chiefs. I just 
the Chiefs with their stupid anti, oh, anti his we're, fiance. We're a, <laughs> dynasty. we're a dynasty, bro. I'm like, dude, you've won one championship. Like, relax. Okay. Like, come talk Mahomes. to me when you've won three. Like Mahomes the baggage, is the hard. baggage that comes with that man. Come it's on, hard man. to it's hard to dislike Mahomes. You know, so I mean? for, for Patriots fans rankings, like who are you rooting for to win the Super Bowl? Is it Bucks, Packers, and then no, Bills, it's Bill. Bills is Bills is number one for me. Oh, I don't get the Bills. Bills hate. Why does everyone hate the Bills? The Bills are like, like a little brother. I said Bucks, Packers, Bills, Chiefs for me. I don't yeah, know. The Bills, they're like a little Bucks, brother. Bills, Packers, like Packers, Bills, 2A, 2B. I, I wouldn't mind. Bucks Dude, are people, people are rooting for the Ravens. The Ravens over the Bills last weekend. The I was rooting for the Ravens. The Ravens. Dude, the Ravens. Come on, man. I hate the Ravens. I, hate I, love Lamar. I love Lamar Jackson and uh, I, I, don't like, I don't like I don't like the Bills. I don't know. I just don't like them. I don't like their I, lo- I think their fans are great. I just don't like them. I don't like them. But like why? They're like a little brother. They're like, you know, the corner that's you know, always, you know what I mean? Like I, I, want, I don't want my little brother to win a championship. <laughs> I'm like, yes. It's like, yeah, you know, you have it once. I mean, I remember, I remember in 01, man, when they won, and you we just like, wait, did, there's no flag. Like the, the game, the game's over. Like the Patriots, we won. Like, like you sure? You want to check that again? Like maybe we should, like, you know. And I feel like the Bills are in that situation, especially where Buffalo hasn't, you know, the city of Buffalo hasn't won anything in years, and so it's like, you know, for them to actually win something would be pretty cool. I just think it'd be a fun storyline. We would never hear the end of it, but then we'd be like, oh, that's great. You have one? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Come talk to me when you have two. Never mind six. Come talk to me when you have two. Okay. Like, uh, stop it. I don't want them to win it. I think they're probably last for me as far as rooting uh, interest goes, but I do want them to lose in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's a little. I mean, that'd be fun. Uh, okay. <laughs> I do want them to lose. And I want them to win this week, but lose as long as they lose <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Devontae Adams deserves a ring, so I'll root for them. For the, he won me a lot of money in fantasy this year. So yeah, he I, did, yeah. I think Green Bay's, Green Bay's probably number two for me. I mean, the only thing is the Rodgers stands are, are, you know, you know he wins this year, beats Brady, and was going to be like, well, Tom never beat Aaron in the playoffs. Like, he's, you know, he's guaranteeing. It's like, dude, just, no. just The whole GOAT thing, man, is just so stupid. I mean, it's so dumb. I mean, the the what? he has the He has the same amount of wins against nfc teams in the playoffs that drew Brees has like it's just it's so stupid it's like just stop it like the the discussion's over like it's been over for a long time but like now he's doing it in the nfc again with a brand new team like just stop it like just just end it like it's it's over you know so when does mahomes enter the conversation after what number three Three. Yeah, I would say two. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I would say three because Big if he Man wins, this year, you can't say that. You got to say three. After three, you're like, okay, he's probably the most talented ever. To be honest, he plays shortstop. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Well, my question with him, I mean, so see, him and Lamar are so different, but Lamar to me can't hold up. Uh, Mahomes doesn't take the amount of hits that Lamar takes. I don't think he doesn't rely like Lamar relies on his his athleticism. And Mahomes does too, but not to the extent that Lamar does. Like if once his athleticism starts to go, which it's going to, cause it does for everyone. Like it's not, I don't think he's done. You know what I mean? Like, I think he can still be a good quarterback, maybe not to the level that he is now, but like Rogers has figured it out. Like he still yeah. moves a little bit in the pocket, but he can sling it still. You know what I mean? And he's an accurate quarterback. Mahomes 
if he keeps doing what he's doing, I mean, they should be in the AFC Championship game pretty much every year like the Patriots were. I mean, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be unless guys get hurt and other guys leave or whatever the case may be. Like, it's just, uh, I mean, I but I think you're right, Ryan. Like, three is, is kind of the number where I look at it and say, okay, at least we can have the discussion. Like, right now, don't even talk to me. At three, we can have the discussion. You know, like, we can talk about it. It's still Brady, but we can talk about it. And then once if he's able to get up to four or five, say, well, now we can start having, we can start being like, okay, well, all right, he he belongs in the conversation, you know? He needs the longevity too, which right. who knows if that holds up. Yeah, agreed. You think that he's the most talented quarterback ever? He's up there. Aaron Rodgers is up there too. Make every throw athletic. Why, who, who, who would you think is? I was thinking Rodgers, Mike Vick. Yeah, Rod. If, if Mike Vick was, yeah, I got his jersey. He was my number one thing in in Christmas to wrap up. But I wanted his jersey. I saw Santa at the mall. He was from Atlanta. I told him I wanted a Michael Vick jersey at the Burlington Mall, and he was ecstatic. And he's That's like, great. "Oh, we'll get you that, no problem." My mom's looking. They're sold out everywhere. They end up getting it. And then the year after, I see him. He's like, "You still have your Michael Vick jersey?" I was like, "Nah." He's like, "Good," because that was the whole dog thing. And oh, man. <laughs> it, was, it was just bad. But I mean, he dude. He, Talk about turning around. He was he was electric, that guy. Yeah. Cheat code Madden 06, too. Cheat code. Yeah. By the way, dude, talk about one of the most underrated trades ever. You know, they trade uh, – L.A. trades back to five and picks up a bunch of other picks, but they draft Tomlinson at five and Drew Brees at 33. Or, yeah, 33, I guess. Yeah, because it was 01, It was right? 32, but it was the 32, first pick. Right yeah, because it was 01. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, it's just like – unbelievable you know like unbelievable of course Drew Brees ended up really not playing there as much but either way it's a you know kind of a crazy haul so anyways my favorite my favorite draft halls is the Patriots and it was the first two years that Chris Greer was the not the GM was like the director of player personnel they got let me let me pull it up so I get it exactly right it was Ty Law Ted Johnson Curtis Martin one two three and then the next year was Terry Glenn, Laura Malloy, Teddy Bruschi, one, two, three. That's okay. Not bad. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll take it, I guess, you know. <laughs> Long Terry the only first-round wide Glenn. receiver that will ever succeed here, too. I'll, I'll live by that. I'm going to say get you well, We'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see. I will say my favorite draft story, however, of all time is the Achilles Smith story. That's my favorite story of all time where the Bengals got, from the Saints, got an offer, like, for three first-round picks. Like, three i think it was four for no four first round picks like three seconds it was stupid the trade was stupid and they were like no 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 we got to draft this guy Achilles smith and they they turned they turned it down when the saints ended up moving up i think with uh miami to five to draft ricky williams and traded their whole draft but they were trading more they were trading like their whole draft plus like their first round pick the next year and the year after and their second round it was insane and the friggin bengal's turned it down and drafted Quite possibly the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. I mean, his numbers are un- staggeringly terrible. It's unbelievable. So, anyways, that's uh, we've gone way off the rails, but it's been fun. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do this. this is a blast. I have to do this again. So, yeah. but uh, be- before we let you go, Brad, you know, shout out. I know you're on Twitter nonstop, and you you tweeting out all the good stuff. And you know, we know obviously Diddy knows so. Uh, you know, tell us tell us where they can uh, see you and read you and hear you and everything else. So it's at Brad Kelly 17 on Twitter. It's K-E-L-L-Y 17 
Um, I have my own uh, Substack profile. So it's this uh, slantroute.substack.com. Do a lot of NFL, college football, NFL draft analysis. And I've been doing a lot of video work on YouTube. That link is also in my Twitter bio. Um, a lot of NFL draft, wide receiver, quarterback uh, breakdowns, audio breakdowns, film, all 22, just a, a bunch of NFL draft content on YouTube. Nice. And I will, I will, uh, I will attest to that because I've learned a lot from uh, from your stuff. So keep it up. We we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. And that's yeah, that's what people. I mean, people don't get it, you know. And I think we're starting to see it more, right? But like the all twenty two shows you the picture, right? You watch the game and you see the game, but the all twenty two shows you what's going on. You don't see what the backside wide receiver is doing, or you know the the wide receiver doesn't get the ball. You don't see what his route looks like, you know. And and guys are out here. Guys like Brad are out here breaking down routes where the guys don't get the ball and saying this is what his route looked like and you know this is concerning or this is good and this is you know a rep that a rep that's like hey this guy looked really impressive meanwhile the play's going on in the other direction you know and i think that that's something that uh that we're starting to recognize more but for a long time people just didn't you know the normal everyday person just didn't realize that even existed you know so Anyways, well done, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll have to have you on again soon, maybe before the draft even, uh, break down, uh, do some uh, some draft stuff, you know? Sounds good.